Hello and welcome to Are We Forcing It? I'm Annie. And I am Marianne. And this is a Star Wars podcast where we talk about Star Wars news, Star Wars shows, and Star Wars books. And I guess also occasionally the Star Wars movie, but you know, it's Star Wars. You, you get it. Yes. Everyone gets it. This week we read two more stories from Star Wars A Certain Point of View. Also, the first eight episodes of Rebels Season 2. Some very exciting episodes. But first, we'll get into some Star Wars news. And unfortunately, kind of the sad kind, which is that Ray Stevenson has passed away this week. He was or will be posthumously starring in the Ahsoka series as the like he's been posed as the main antagonist Mm -hmm. um that's not thrawn but he's also he was in um the thor movies and but he was a very well-known actor like he did a ton of things yeah vikings dexter the punisher king arthur the other star wars rebels he was um he was uh he was um, oh yeah he was the voice of someone uh, saxon gar saxon Yes. He was the voice of Gar Saxon. So whenever we get to Gar Saxon, we'll have to bring him up. Yeah, I was thinking he did something else for Star Wars before, which this is kind of becoming a theme with um, Star Wars and also Marvel, where they'll bring back someone to do like a voice or be a character when they've already done something. But I mean, I guess I'm not mad about it. It's just like, okay. But... um, I mean, he'll still obviously be in Ahsoka. They finished filming that series. It's in post-production right now. But I wonder what it means for the future of the character. But either way, everyone only had really nice things to say about him. So um, the other bit of news, because we didn't have a ton of news this week, but we're kind of in the hiatus months anyway, um, is that there's a rumor, and you guys know how we feel about rumors, where we just report that they are rumors and we believe nobody, but then we also hope for everything to be true. Um, And that is that Tamara Morrison may or may not be Rex in the upcoming Ahsoka series. Yes. Yes. It's funny. It's funny because Tamara Morrison has sent an interview. I think I want to say it was like around the time the book of Boba Fett was out. Um, this interview came up where he was like, he, he said he'd like to play Captain Rex. He's like, I mean, he looks like me. And it was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. And then this came out um, that it's been rumored um, that he is playing Captain Rex. So it's, it's curious, like, you know, I'm really curious because we've already seen the teaser trailer for um, Ahsoka and we already know who is in Ahsoka. You know, they announced Lars Mikkelsen is Thrawn, and we've seen Sabine and Hera, Chopper, and Ezra. So, and then well, of course, the Ray Stevenson live action holograph of Ezra. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Hoping yeah, there's yeah. gonna be more of Ezra, but <laughs> but yeah, but it's actually funny because then also not too long ago, apparently, I think it was a it was a um, an AMA on Reddit. Somebody had asked Natalie Portman if she wanted to get back into Star Wars, and she's like, "Yeah, but they just haven't called me yet." And of course. I am of the philosophy here that whenever an actor says, no, they haven't called me yet, but I'd like, I would like to be a part of it. I'm like, I don't believe you. They've told I, you know, the, I'm sure they have called because Lars Mikkelsen did the same thing. Cause people were like, are you in the new Ahsoka series? He's like, no, they didn't call me. And I didn't believe him. 
and look, he's in the thing. Uh, Liam Neeson did the same thing. He's like, what? There's a Qui-Gon? There's an Obi-Wan series? I know nothing of it. Mofo showed up at the end of the series. And it recently uh, happened with uh, Daisy Ridley. She was in an interview and they were like, would you ever go back to Star Wars? And she was like, oh, she's I like, mean, yeah, I absolutely. guess if they wanted to, you know, I, I like getting jobs and doing things. And right, then she's like, yeah, exactly. And maybe, I mean, that one could be more coincidental where it's like, I guess the timing could be that they called her the next day. But everyone else's was like, they had already filmed. Like, yeah, and they're exactly. sitting there lying. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm really curious about, yeah. like, if Natalie Portman has any uh, any kind of role in the Ahsoka series. Because it would make sense to me that Padme shows up because Padme was an important part of ahsoka's life and dave filoni knows that because he fucking reiterated it in tales of the jedi so it would make sense that padme either gets some kind of name drop or we're seeing like flashbacks and we've got you know natalie portman hayden christensen and ewan mcgregor all together again you know what i mean but i guess we'll see i wonder what the dh budget is i don't know I mean, they they did a little work on Hayden, um, did a little work Kenobi. on Ewan. Mm -hmm. They would have to do less work on um, Natalie. Not that Natalie looks bad. Obviously, she's, like, amazing. Um, but she also actually looks, you know, 35 and not 21 or however old she was when she filmed it. So there's that. I saw, this is super off topic, but there's a you know how the fans get all up in arms over something that has no real traction and then it just starts like becoming a thing <laughs> there's a whole thing going on i don't know if it's on reddit um i definitely saw a tiktok about it but it was like not any of the big creators where someone was saying that kira knightley said something about returning to star wars and they're hopeful that there's gonna be a sabe um cameo thrown around which Ooh. i again, i feel like that's much more of a stretch especially because kira knightley is also an a-list actress now but maybe it's because she's an a-list actress now you know like mm -hmm. i don't know but that's just a thing that's there and you know it's there we believe nobody but we also believe everything <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. you're hopeful like for everything. I don't believe you. I don't I don't believe yes. any of you and I will not believe you and I will not believe anything until I see the official cast list. I really trust no one after Andrew Garfield lied for a year. Yeah, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so, essentially what it what so it is. So much. Cuz he and he would even get mad at people in interviews and be like, "You guys, like in tears, oh, yeah. be like, I'm crying because you don't understand. I wanted them to call me and they didn't." And like, "Yes, he's here on the set." He felt he was in like half that Spider-Man. Well, okay. Anyway, moving on. So this week we read two stories from Star Wars, a certain point of view. We're kind of getting into the end now. I think after these two, there's eight more, 10 more, something like that. Um, but interesting. I mentioned this last week. Neither of these stories are POV characters in the film. Well, they're not in the film at all. Um, the first one is Yoda, of course, is not in Star Wars A New Hope. I think people forget that sometimes, but his big introduction was in The Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Um, yes. But this story was written by Gary D. Schmidt, who is 
an author of many things. Like I tried to bring up what the most famous thing was. I don't know. <laughs> They're all pretty big name stuff. Um, the a lot of uh, maybe orbiting Jupiter is probably the big one, but he's a very renowned writer, and he's also he also does a ton of academic writing, both for like literature and education and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but the story. Um, I thought is really interesting because it's about basically how Yoda is like Yoda can feel that how the twins have grown up and he's like obviously Leia's gotta be the Jedi and Obi-Wan shows up and is like the story's no. funny I yeah the I think it's funny actually it's sad, but also it's like it's well the sad part is just that you see how lonely poor Yoda is Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But he's no. also still really stubborn, which is exactly. kind of interesting. But what you know, what's really funny to me is because, um, you know, he thinks that Leia. Oh yeah, has it's called. Great... I forgot to say what it's called. It's called. Uh, there is another. So, so like anyway, you know, on. Yoda believes that Leia has the traits to be uh, a great Jedi, as opposed to Luke. Um, you know, he thinks there's too much of. Um, his father in him he's reckless and and whatnot and it's really funny because fans like to speculate that leia is way more like anakin as opposed think, to luke who is way more like padme which i i still think so i still think that luke is way more like padme as opposed to leia leia's got that that fiery spirit but like in this in you know with yoda he was like no leia is the one who can be a great jedi not luke luke is reckless yeah i feel like leia is what anakin could have been if um not to pull like the dave filoni but i feel like leia is what anakin could have been by age 19 if qui-gon hadn't died mm -hmm. um because she had all of the support she needed she was raised the right way she didn't have like a ho horrible tragic childhood backstory i mean like obviously her her comebacks I mean, are tragic but she doesn't have that part both to her and luke don't really either like i mean her and luke both didn't have right well i'm comparing her to anakin mostly um but then i feel like luke's temperament comes across a little more in especially in a new hope he's a lot more wishy-washy and a little more like you know he's a little more sassy he's like the whiny teenager but that oh, yeah, doesn't no, like you know i feel like that's also just because he's stuck on this planet like and leia's out here seeing the galaxy and he's just like i'm on this damn farm my whole life you know but i feel like yoda's just like well he's and maybe yoda's a little biased it doesn't really talk about this but maybe he's just like you know how there's kind of like that old stereotype like genders should be more like one another like sons and fathers are more alike than oh yeah, 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 yeah so maybe it's more like that where he he just thinks of luke and he's like shoot can't have another anakin situation gotta be the girl exactly. you know but gotta also be the girl. something also something that i thought was really interesting so yoda sensed the fight between um vader and obi-wan mm -hmm. and he he sensed Obi-Wan. He sensed him in the Force. And then he sensed another. Hard and strong. It pulls fiercely in its rhythm. It's carried arrogance. It carried darkness. 
And he also noticed a terrible, angry, despairing loneliness. And it was Anakin, or what become of him. And he was in pain. And the remedy he used to soothe himself was pain. The pain of both others and himself. Um, and then he could sense them fighting. And then, of course, he had his own fight with the uh, the droids. Um, and he uses Obi-Wan to, uh, to destroy it. And then he feels Obi-Wan get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then suddenly bursts into the netherworld of the Force. And then he feels Anakin fall even more deeply into painful loneliness. A loneliness so terrible that Yoda almost felt pity for him. He almost wished he could speak to him to tell him that he needn't be lonely after all. And I'm just like, oh. It's so, <laughs> yeah. And this, I actually made a note about this in our Rebels episodes because Anakin, and I think this is something, I don't know if it's Filoni or just this, like, who I, I don't know if it's just Filoni's, but I should say. But overall, the direction that Star Wars has been going with Vader for a while um, is that in this time between, um, what is it? Revenge of the Sith. I almost said a new hope and a new hope. And I was like, well, they're not both called a new hope <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, this 20 year time period that he's obsessed with finding Obi-Wan. Right. Um, and we saw that in the Kenobi series, but there's also a little nod to it in Rebels as well. Um, right. And this is kind of like another thing where it's like he finally found Obi-Wan and then he was like, aha, and I've killed Obi-Wan. Well, shit, now I killed Obi-Wan. <laughs> like, now he's just gone. Right. And I feel like that's the, not to like make puns a little I feel like that's the point of view that we're kind of getting from this, even though it's Yoda feeling it through the floor. Right, exactly. And of course, I also like that his little blanket that we see in Empire Strikes Back is actually a part of uh, Qui-Gon's um, Qui-Gon's cloak. cloak. Yeah. And then, like, like, oh, when Obi-Wan appears, he's like, so you saved Qui-Gon's cloak, but not my... Not my pot. Not my pot. <laughs> Yoda, always with you, it has to be both. Difficult choices must we sometimes make in this world. No, it's like he's like, not he's like, where's my pot? And Yoda's like, there was an encounter. And it was literally like yesterday. <laughs> there was an encounter. It's been 20 years and the pot died yesterday. <laughs> but it, was just, it was so true. Great. I loved it. But um I also love how he's like, um, well, this is what? And he's like, you can still feel things. And he's like, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's so many questions, but it's, it is really funny, like, in this little exchange. Yes, but also, like, there, one particular sad part that I just, like, hurt was where it says, he remembered, and he whispered to himself, mourn them, do not, miss them, do not, rejoice for those who transform into the Force. But he was lonely. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. But he was lonely and old. And he had failed. He had not seen the paths the young Padawan Anakin had begun to take. He had missed his chance with young Skywalker. And that would happen with this other reckless Skywalker, the one who was as angry as his father had been. Oh, and what would happen with this other reckless Skywalker, the one who was as angry as his father had been? I'm just like, oh, Yoda. Oh, also, Yoda. at this very moment, he watched Obi-Wan die. Yeah, so, and also Obi -Wan the yeah. well, no, I mean Luke did. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, his aunt and uncle are dead. Right. And I mean, it doesn't really say. It kind of implies that Yoda's always felt this way about Luke, but then it's like also think about Luke's last forty-eight hours here, like right. not 
obviously he's going to be angry, but he's also not out there slaying the younglings. Like, I think it's okay, Yoda. Yes. I think it's going to be fine. Yes. But he is a little traumatized, you know? Indeed. Yeah, yeah no, that was a nice story. I liked that one. I did enjoy it. Um, And Yoda, of course. I love Yoda. And then... I will say this one, like I said, it kind of made him feel a little cynical and a little biased and really stubborn. And those aren't really things that I think of when I think about Yoda, except for when he's introduced in Empire Strikes Back, which is when he's mm -hmm. just like, nah, he's too old. Like just yep. making excuses not to train Luke. Not to train him, yeah. Although in this story, it's kind of like he's been arguing with Obi-Wan since Obi-Wan died that he oh, doesn't for like train Luke. a year or something. Like yeah. <laughs> What like yeah, what's the timeline between what's the time between I think it's or like six I feel like it's three like years. That? Yeah, between thought, the new hope I thought, and I thought there were three years between the first two and then one year between the second. So Obi Wan and Yoda have been arguing about this for three <laughs> Well, for a while. Well, and he really you know, eventually he concedes to it where he's like you know what? It'll be fun to train a Padawan again because really the story is about how he wants to not be alone anymore. But then he's just like, oh, I don't want to train this child. But then he's like, but I, but now I want to wake up tomorrow. Like he's three he's years. finding right. hope. Yeah. Um, but then even when Luke shows up, he's like, nah, I don't know about this man. Although Yoda is 900 years old, so it could have gone by a lot faster. Yeah, so freaking Yoda and Obi-Wan have been arguing about this for three years. <laughs> uh, in the force. And he's just like, as was I. I. And Yoda's, it gives whole new meaning because he's just like, you know. when Obi-Wan starts talking and he's like, sure, he's ready and whatever. And Luke's listening to them bicker. And Yoda's just like, man, when I said I was lonely, this isn't what I meant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the exactly. thing. Uh, The second story we read is Palpatine, who is also not in A New Hope. Actually, is he in the special edition? I feel like they added a scene with him in the special edition. Mm, but maybe no. that's in The Empire Strikes Back. No, he's in Empire Strikes Back. Well, he's always been in Empire Strikes Back. He's always... But the scene, the the hologram scene, it's got to be like at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. Yes, yeah, 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 because yeah. that's when he tells Vader. Yeah, that's when he tells Vader. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, no, they had to get yeah. out of the asteroid field and he's like, the son of Skywalker. Blah, blah, yes, blah, blah, right. Blah. That's what I was thinking of. So he's not in Empire Strikes Back. But here we have another um, POV of him in this moment right after Obi-Wan has died. Anakin's reported to him. But the author... Uh, and when I told you, because um, when I told you, I was like, well, our reading is this many pages, but the Palpatine one is in a different format. It's actually in like a Shakespearean soliloquy. Um, and that's actually literally what's happening. The author, um, Ian Dosher, is most famous for writing Shakespeare's Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> that's what he's best known for. And it's like... Um, I don't actually know. I mean, I'm assuming it's like a play version of Star Wars, but like the Shakespeare play version of it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, randomly, he has a PhD in ethics. That definitely seems like a thing that a Shakespearean writer would have. Um, this one oh, is he... 
He worked on Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, nice. He might have written it. I'm not positive with this. But, yeah, so he did a ton of this. But this whole chapter, it's only, like, five pages or so. But it's in verse, and it rhymes in a Shakespearean kind of way with old Shakespearean verse and stuff. Um, and it's all just Palpatine being like, finally, I killed Ob or we got rid of Kenobi. Yoda's still out there, that little green man, but like <laughs> killed Kenobi. And then he's like, shoot, did I screw up by having him kill Kenobi? Yeah, no, no, no. Like, this is really interesting because he's like, because then he's like, they're like, huh, he's been on Tatooine. Why is he on Tatooine? Like, and why was he on Tatooine for so long? You know, like, what was he doing there? But he's like, whatever. But then he's like, then he's like, Yoda is still out there, though. But the problem is, if Kenobi and Yoda survived, how many other Jedi are still out there? I mean, we know, like, there's Kane and Ezra Bridger. Well, somebody had said, <laughs> like, somebody had, somebody had, was trying to do, trying to, because, like, people, like, one of the biggest complaints that actually kind of pisses me off is that people are, like, seeing so many Jedi actually survive um, Order 66, they believe cheapens Luke's story. And I'm like, it does not. How the fuck does that cheapen Luke's story? Because there's no fucking way those other Jedi are going to bring Anakin, bring Darth Vader back to the light because they don't know him. How the hell is Kanan going to bring him back? How the hell is Cal going to bring him well, back? Well, and then Kanan died. Oh, spoiler for anyone that didn't know. Dead, but my but, point is, my yes. point is, my point is, it does nothing to cheapen Luke's story. Having, I've seen people complain about it cheapening Obi Wan's story, where it's just like I think because you get this feeling that Obi Wan and Yoda are the very last Jedi, um, which, and then in Revenge of the Sith, also they kind of make it out to be that way. But I also. I mean, I agree where it's like, well, that wasn't the point of Luke's story to be the only remaining Jedi. Like, that wasn't the point at all. Although, I mean, it's a little, um, like, I could see people getting caught up on it since episode six is called Return of the Jedi. And Luke is the one that returns. But, of course, it could be argued Vader's the one that returns. And, you know, it's like a whole thing. But, I mean, I also think it's like, but Luke in episode six re-establishes he reclaims and re-establishes the jedi order and that's like his purpose and that works out for him you know like and all these other jedi that we see almost none of them are still jedi in present day they're all out there doing their own thing even ahsoka is like i'm right. only a jedi I when i need to be <laughs> and that's and like, it even if there was ten thousand jedi by the time of order 66 even if 99% had been wiped out. That still leaves like a hundred Jedi left. Um, you know, so it's yeah. like, so it's like it, a thousand. Well, hold on. Let me, let me. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. No, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But anyways, there were 10,000 Jedi. Okay. We don't do math here. Yeah, Moving we on. We don't do math. But regardless, my point is even if you killed 99% of the 10,000 Jedi, you still have a ton left. And so, but a lot of those people probably don't, don't have that emotional connection with Anakin like Luke does. And so you can't sit here and say that it cheapens Luke's story. And a ton of them become 
inquisitors, like probably 10 ish of them um, as they go, you know, and that's like, that seems like a normal thing, but also you don't know what the end of the other people's story is like, well, that, yeah. And then of course, like people are dying, you know, as we go spoilers for, you know, well, actually, no, never mind. But like, they're also, they may have survived, initially survived Order 66, but we're also seeing them die between that time period, you know, between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So, and also, Anakin was, they say it several times across the canon, he was one of the most powerful Jedi. And the others, and Seer talks about it, you know, in the games that we just, we recorded a bonus episode on, but it hasn't aired yet, but it will. <laughs> but, you know, and Seer is basically like very few people could have confronted Vader and won. But it, I think that's part of Luke's whole thing, which is like Luke was not powerful enough to defeat Vader. But he, like you're saying, he's the only one that truly could have made, like, he had to make that emotional connection right, to turn exactly. Vader. No one else is out here to change Vader. They're all out here to defeat Vader, including Obi Wan. Where they're just like, nah, there's no getting him back. And then Luke becomes the only person that believes... It. Yeah, now I'm just recapping the series. But I agree. But back to Palpatine. <laughs> yes, Palpatine's like, um, wait, how many Jedi are out there? I mean, this is like excluding... I mean, this book hasn't talked about any of the Inquisitors, really. But it's like excluding this idea that um, they hunted all the Jedi. But it, it doesn't have to. Like, this could just be him, like, aha, we finally got rid of all the Jedi. Because in canon right now, they don't know of any other Jedi. Because as, right. as far as they know, Ahsoka's dead. Right. Um, as far as they know, Ezra Bridger went out with Thrawn somewhere. Don't know where. He's probably dead to them. Kanan, dead. Um, don't know what's happening with Cal Kestis. Kind of worried he's going to go to the dark side at some point. <laughs> But um, anyway, you know, like in canon, no one else is around. So it does make sense for him to be like, well, shoot, how many other people did we miss? Um, and it's also interesting because Palpy knows. Palpy is my favorite name for him. Um, if anyone doesn't know. Palpy knows that Anakin was raised on tattooing. And then he's like, huh. And you see it. You kind of mentioned it where he kind of goes back and forth where he's like, tattooing. Oh, tattooing doesn't matter. But I kind of feel like Tatooine matters. Uh, does Tatooine matter? Should I be worried about... Whatever, he's dead. Mm -hmm. Should I be worried about... Like, it's a whole... It's a whole inner struggle in Shakespearean verse. You guys should read it, really. I mean, it's pretty great. Um, but also how he's like, um, finally, we got rid of them. And then he's like, and now we control the galaxy. And that was the last little bit. He doesn't really say it, but I feel like there's a little bit of a subtext, too, where he's like, finally, Anakin can forget about Obi-Wan. Like, almost like he's been holding him back. And then he's like, well, actually, was that a bad idea? Like, now, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Um, but it's interesting, because you almost never see Palpatine second-guess himself. Well, you never see him outside of other people's point of view, which is being manipulated right. anyway, but... Um, it's interesting to get in there and have him be like, actually, did I screw up? Is this going to be my downfall? It's like, well, this isn't, but mostly Tarkin and <laughs> the Krennic thing will. Um, I mean, eventually, but yeah. So I actually liked both of the stories um, this week. 
And it was interesting that, like, again, interesting that neither of them are in the movie. And we're only eight stories from the end, which is wild because the movie still has half an hour left. But so much of it is um, battle mm -hmm. in the movie. So the next story is called Sparks. It's written by Paul S. Kemp. Um, and the one after that is called Duty Roster by Jason Fry. And we still have not gotten to the um, Ashley Eckstein story. Um, so that's got to be one of the last ones, huh? Or Pierce Brown. We'll find them. Yeah. They'll be in here somewhere. Anyway, so... Is this one Ashley Eckstein wrote a story in with E.K. Johnston? No, I think it's... Um... E.K. Johnston definitely wrote in this one, though. We're, we just haven't seen her yet. Yeah, no. No, I think the one with Ashley Eckstein is um an Empire. Empire Strikes Back. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. it is um no, it is this one. Oh, okay. By whatever by whatever son by E.K. Johnson and Ashley Eckstein. Okay. Oh, oh, here it is. Yes. The last one. Okay, so it'll be it'll be a hot minute. <laughs> but we'll get there. Um also not really Star Wars news, but I have acquired the Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. Excellent. So whenever we eventually get around to it, of course the next book we're reading is a new a new dawn almost said a new hope because can't have too many new things in star wars but yeah already so this week we watched the first eight episodes of season two of rebels this is kind of a fast rewatch. i mean depends how much you like binging rebels sometimes it's easy to go through the whole series in a week <laughs> but um season two unlike season one has um 24 ish episodes 23 24 episodes 22 episodes something like that several it has a normal amount of episodes the first season only had 15 episodes ordered and now we have a full length season for season two and they i have to say in these eight episodes none of them feel like bottle episodes they actually and the ones that do are kind of like that one with Lando where it's like they're introducing people and setting up stuff to come and that's impressive for the first eight episodes of a full length season I gotta say also they I think they got a boost in animation budget um you, you can tell it's just a little better um Kanan especially is a little less Gumby I felt like the whole first season, I was like, he's such, like, his um, digital model just looks very Gumby-ish. But he looks more like a person and less like a Gumby in season two. So we open with the Siege of Lothal, which is a two-part episode. Lothal, apparently the most important planet in the series, because that's where Ezra Bridger's from. That's where their Jedi Temple is. It's a whole thing. But now that they're with the Rebels, they're part of the Phoenix Squadron. And um, they're basically the setup for the season instead of them just hopping from job to job to survive is kind of to hop from job to job to support the rebel, the rebel alliance. Um, so we kind of open in the space battle. Um, they're open. They're open taken. What the heck? They're overtaken by Imperial reinforcements. Um, 
Ezra says carabast, which is what Zeb says. And I had a note that was basically like, you know, when you hang out with people long enough and you start saying the same things, <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, Minister Tua and Callus discuss how to find the rebels and how to punish Lethal for the destruction of Tarkin's ship. Vader's hanging out ominously and everyone hates him. Tua doesn't like him. Callus doesn't like him. No one likes him hanging out. But he's basically like, you know what, Tua, you get to go meet with Tarkin and explain your failures. And this terrifies her, as it should. Meanwhile, the ghost crew is part of the Alliance, including Ahsoka, because she was revealed to be Fulcrum in the last episode. Um, they get this transmission from old Joe on Lethal, one of Ezra's recurring allies from Lethal. Um and he's basically like, hey, I have a person here that wants to talk to you. And it turns out it's Minister Tua. Um, she begs them for help. Ezra's like, I definitely believe her. And Kanan is like, um, just because she's scared does not mean she's scared of them. <laughs> like, could be scared of anything. Um, but he convinces them they got to go get her. Um, and this kind of starts a runner that goes on for two episodes that Hera and Kanan are fighting. Mom and dad are fighting, kids. Um, he doesn't like to be in the soldier mindset. This kind of melts into episodes three and four also, where it's kind of digging into his Clone Wars trauma. Um, are you still there? Yeah, no, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm At one point I was like, did she? Okay, anyway, yes. Um, I feel like it's digging into his Clone Wars trauma a little bit because he makes remember we have eight episodes to go through, so <laughs> true. Well, this the this one is combining the two episodes, the first two, this discussion of it. Um, and then we have a lot of things that happen for the first time that again become recurring in the season or in the series, such as Kane and stealing some stormtrooper armor. Um, the rebels corner Callus and you know, Callus has many run-ins with them over the course of this season. Um, and you can tell Callus just hates doing things for people in the Empire. And he's really out to, like, win his own title. Um, but long story short, they end up getting confronted by Vader. And this is the first that um, Kanan is aware of Vader. There's kind of a big deal made about the things that Kanan does and doesn't know in season two, I noticed. Like here, they're like, wow, what was that? And he's like, uh, it was a Sith Lord. Did not know those were still around. And then later on, um, when the second Inquisitor shows up, they're like, did you know there's more Inquisitors? And he was like, I didn't know, but they make like a big deal about it. Um, Basically, there's a lot of disagreeing in these first few episodes, but uh, they have to go get Tua. That's the plan. Um, also, side note, pretty sure D. Bradley Baker is voicing the Admiral um, because he sounds like tech, like straight up has tech's voice. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously, very, <laughs> very possible. D. Bradley Baker is just over here doing 50 voices for Star Wars every week. Um, Vader fights the fleet in space. Ahsoka joins the ghost crew. They try and they join the fight. There's a whole thing. But the big takeaway from this episode is really that Ahsoka discovers Vader. That's kind of the big point of the end of the first. I think she knows. I think two. at this point she suspects it's Anakin. And then when um, 
But I, I think the way she reacts, I think she suspects it's Anakin, especially when Kanan asks her if she like knew who it was and she kind of hesitates when she um, responds to him. But I think Ahsoka uh, is suspicious. Yeah, I, I kind of think, well, later, I mean, we we haven't gotten this far yet, but later at the end of the season when she comes across him, she... It's like she wants to confront him because she has to know for sure. So I agree where it's like she, I think she knows, but she's in denial. Yeah. She, she's at least suspicious of like, she definitely senses something familiar about him and she's suspicious of the Sith Lord. It's also very implied that she hears him say, ah, the apprentice lives. And that's suspicious. <laughs> Like, aha, look who's alive out here in space. So that's the big, that's kind of the big takeaway from the end of episode two. But also that Vader is just like, well, now Ahsoka's on my radar and uh, we're going to go take her down. And um, this is also where I had the note where, because he goes back to the Emperor and is like, oh yeah, the Apprentice is alive. And Palpatine is like, huh great and then also he's like well maybe she knows where kenobi is and this is where i had the note where he's like still obsessed with kenobi so episodes three and four are kind of another two-part but they're separate episodically so we have the lost commanders and this of course is where we get captain rex <laughs> captain yes. rex, captain rex and commander wolf yes kara and kanan are still fighting <laughs> continuing mom and dad fights um Basically, Ahsoka is like, I can solve one of our problems because they need a base. They need a base they can all hide out because now that they're allied, they're kind of out here um, sitting ducks. So Ahsoka's well, like, I know a guy that knows The places. command ship has been destroyed as well. So Oh, true. That happened. Um, yes. So Ahsoka's basically like, I've got something to take care of. This is kind of still implying that she's out trying to research what happened to Anakin, maybe. Like, where she's just like, I've got things to do. And then she leaves. And I feel like it's implied that it has to do with that. Um, or maybe she's just, like, off to meditate. <laughs> and hopefully not think about Anakin too much or something like that. I don't know. But she doesn't go with them. Maybe she's afraid that they won't find Rex and then she would be sad. I don't know. She doesn't go with them. Um but basically, her one piece of advice to Kanan is you better trust them because she knows that Kanan's number one trauma is that the clones turned on him when he was a kid. Um, and of course, this becomes a huge thing over the course of two episodes where Kanan doesn't want to trust the clones. He's very suspicious of them, really kind of a dick to them. Let's be real, like really kind of rude. Although also, um, Wolf did straight up betray them at the end of the episode. Um, but by accident he doesn't know what he's doing you guys he's just a senile old wolf um poor guy but there's even a point where kanan finally comes around in episode um four and he's like trust me and it's like dude you are the problem <laughs> rex is out here like off to work together again and kanan's like i will never work with the clones and then kanan's like you've got to trust me like sir it's you you are the problem 
but I love so much about these two episodes. I actually think that the the first one where they're out, they're doing, they call it slinging, but they're fishing for this giant worm creature. Um, might be one of my favorite. Juba. The, the, for the Juba. Um, I love how Gregor is just like, excellent, off to eat. Let's go. And then he's like, yeah, we'll use Zeb as bait. It'll be fun. Also, Zeb, they use Zeb as bait and he gets drugged down and then he comes out and he's so mad. But Gregor's just like, hey, uh, look how great you did, man. And immediately Zeb is like, it was pretty great, wasn't it? <laughs> Sir. Oh, my goodness. But I love those two episodes. The episode four is really good. Um, relics of the old republic relics i guess referring to these poor old clones um of course callus is like off to destroy everyone involved and of course epically fails but i love i love rex in these episodes because it really shows how much he learned about working with the jedi yes because he's just like yeah and he has the jedi strategy where he was like yeah we'll go in and the jedi will get us out that's what they do and Everyone else is like, okay, we'll see. Um, and it ends up working, but Rex is really the hero of like these two episodes and several episodes coming up. But just it's so good to see him like that. You know, I don't I didn't remember him being so like useful <laughs> the first time when I watched it, but yeah, he also hands Ezra his iconic helmet at one point and Ezra gives it back to him when they leave um of course the episode ends with the fifth brother who is a recurring inquisitor over the course of now several different properties I think he's portrayed by that one guy from Fast and Furious um in Kenobi I only know the guy's name in Fast and Furious that's not useful um but the nice big tie-in to the episode is Rex and Ahsoka being united yeah. Once again, reunited, I should say. It's so nice because they walk up and he's just like, well, you got old. And she's like, well, it had to happen sometime. And they're just so nice and professional. And then she throws her arms around his neck. <laughs> it's so like where she they literally didn't know if the other was alive that whole time. She probably thought he was dead because he wasn't getting her messages because of Wolf. My favorite description of them is platonic soulmates. So they are platonic soulmates. Like kindred spirits. That's kind yes. of the kindred spirit vibe from... Platonic soulmates. They are meant to be together, but not in a romantic way. They are just the best of friends, brother and sister. Yeah. It is kind of sad to see how old the clones get. Which, I mean, we know. Like, they age a lot faster than everyone else but like he really you know like if they'd just been like nor if they aged normally they would have been they wouldn't have just been old geezers you know but right. they i mean rex especially still super useful gregor i had remembered being a little more like goofy but he's really just like oh heck yes they're coming to fight finally <laughs> off to fight and i love how he was like what um no no clones or wolf was like no clones here whatever or no um no rebels here 
And they were like, we know they're there. And then he's like, great, bring your stormtroopers. I'm ready to take them all out. Every single one of them. It'll be fun. <laughs> I just love it so much. Um, moving on to um, Always Two There Are, which is, of course, a reference to um, what Yoda says about the Sith, Always Two, No More, No Less. But in, in another sense, it's also Master and Apprentice, there always are. But in this episode, it's there's two Inquisitors. There's two of them. <laughs> and it's of course there are. Sister. Yeah. Um, Rex and Kanan, buttheads. And you can tell that Ezra is just tired of everyone fighting. And he's like, um, I'm going to go with uh, Sabine and Zebin Chopper. Bye. And so they go on this mission. They really just need to pick up some medical stuff supplies off of this abandoned medical station um has some big horror movie vibes or those um dark video games um where they're just like wandering around in the dark um a probe droid definitely is tracking them sabine of course tags a wall because she can't not tag the wall um with her um symbol um they accidentally power up the entire station because chopper does that um, and then it's be it becomes a whole thing because, of course, they're tracked down. Ezra gets taken first, sacrificing himself for Sabine the first time of the series. Go, Sabine, go! And then Sabine gets caught. Fun story. And then Zeb ends up being um, the hero of the episode, which was kind of nice. Um, where he actually ends up kind of... I mean, it's all of them outsmarting the Inquisitors, but if you were like... Yes, this episode has two Inquisitors and no Kanan. You would not be like, sure, Zeb is going to save the day. Uh, but he does. Um, but it's so, I mean, it's a kid's show, so they're doing it on purpose. But it's so funny how they are so obviously lying to the Inquisitors. And they just went with it. Um, when Zeb calls in on the comm and he's like, this is um, Commander, whatever, whatever. And they were like, oh, yes, um, Commander, whatever, whatever. Sure. <laughs> and they were like, aha, perfect. We have lured the rebels. I'm like, no, you're idiots. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, this can, leads us into episode six. But um, this one is kind of a bottle episode, but it depends how much you love Hondo Anaka because he's back. Um, and I feel like he's going to be in Mando at some point or Ahsoka. He's going to be in one or the other. They have the pirate storyline. He just keeps showing up places like he's going to be back. But basically, Ezra in this episode is struggling with everything. He feels like he has too much responsibility. He doesn't. He kind of is nostalgic from when he just looked after himself and made his own decisions. And when he comes across Hondo, he's basically like, well, okay. First of all, he got into this situation um, because he picked up a tip that Visago's ship may need some help. So he took Chopper and the Phantom, and it's Hondo on the ship. And then chaos <laughs> ensues because it's Hondo and Ezra. And I feel like even from the beginning, it was not going to go according to plan. Um, of course, eventually it's revealed that Hondo, like took over the ship by force. He did not win it in a game of Sabacc, the classic way to gain a ship in Star Wars. Um, he Visago also is only half interested in doing any business with Ezra, but he mostly just like owes him a 
favor. Ezra owes him a favor. Something like that. It's like a whole thing. There's favors involved. Um, Hondo leaves with the Phantom. And Ezra has to get kicked out in a um, escape pod. But it's okay because Chopper um, rigged the Phantom to be on autopilot. So they come back and Hondo's like, Aha, everyone. I came to tell you that Ezra is gone. And I saved all of these supplies for you. And Ezra just walks in behind him and he's like, yeah, that's obviously not what happened. But this is the first time we see Hondo, who, of course, will return multiple times in the series and beyond. Um, not my favorite episode, but I think it's just because Hondo's not my favorite character. But I think, like, he's fun for the... Like, if you need a chaotic episode, you put in Hondo. That's how that works. Um love hondo he's my favorite space pirate I, I do feel like they slowly were like hey since we have a better budget let's bring in the clone wars characters and get more people to watch <laughs> and um i mean hondo was a definitely oh and pig face returns he was from an earlier he was from the mm, first yeah. season um his actual name is as morrigan but i call him pig face because that's what he is um, I love that he was like, he didn't call him Jabba the Hutt. I was waiting for him to call him that. Um, but maybe he doesn't in his episode call him. I thought he told him, I mean, as we definitely told the Empire that was his name. But anyway, moving on. Um, but at the end of the episode, Kanan and Ezra have a heart to heart where Kanan's like, so you left without permission. And Ezra's like, I was trying to figure stuff out. But then Ezra admits like, you know, I was on my own for a long time. But the whole time I was with him, I was just like, I didn't. And he was talking like Hondo often talked about like, oh, you're you're one of me now. You're on my crew now. The end. And that was just like the done deal for Hondo. And Ezra was like, and I didn't want that to be like it. Like I wanted to come home to you guys. So in episode seven, we have the rebels or it's called Wings of the Master. And both episode seven and episode eight are big episodes for the girls. This is a huge Hera episode. It gives her some backstory, kind of shows her us uh, some character for her, like character development. And eight was really big for Sabine. Um, and I feel like they were like, you know what? We gave the boys a ton of development in season one. Even Zeb got his backstory semi-explained. Right. Um, and they were like, time to focus on the girls. And they are good episodes gotta say the Hera one is one of my favorites in rebels um but it's just so interesting and it's very i feel like the Hera one um which without reading this like two um paragraph explanation of it basically they need a ship and rex knows a guy that is an engineer and apparently the engineer never flies so he has to have the perfect pilot come and he lives on this planet that is notoriously hard to fly into or on um Hera goes with Sabine and Zeb they and a lot of things kind of go not off the rails but this engineer just ends up being like the worst possible ally because he can't fly so he's never tested this great magnificent ship he has um there is a great moment where um the ship just yeets off the cliff and everyone's horrified. 
where they're like, man, if she dies and then the ship's just gone. And then Zeb and Sabine's faces. I think I said this before last week. Um, but Rebels uses facial expressions and like long beats of horrified facial expressions for such good comedy. It's so funny. But um, oh yeah, no, them Zevin Ezra, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's so yeah, I'll um I'm pretty sure I said it when they just yeeted the droid off of it, like when Chopper just yes. threw the Imperial droid. They're like, this listen, like and Chopper's like, no. Yeah, goodbye, yeet. And they're both like and this is the same thing where Hera's in the ship, um, Zeb and Sabine are out with the engineer, and the engineer is basically like, um, Oh, she's never flown before. And they were like, what? And then Hera flies right off the cliff. Yes. <laughs> Their faces are priceless. And <laughs> I mean, turns out Hera is a great pilot, so she survives. <laughs> but, wow. Um, but we learn a lot about Hera in the episode. She talks a little bit about being in the Clone Wars and how her parents always hid her underground. But she would sneak up to watch the Republic fly overhead and like just dreamed about being with them and then when she realized she had a knack for flying she couldn't like she left she didn't leave the planet to fight um which is kind of the important thing she left because they wouldn't let her fly and she well she doesn't say that but that it's kind of like implied which i'm sure they were like well flying's gonna lead to fighting which that is what happened yes um and she was like, if you have a gift, you have to use it to help people. She doesn't tell him that, but that's kind of the lesson that the engineer ends up learning. So he agrees to send the ship back. Of course, turns out there's no hyperdrive, um, so they have to use the Phantom. Oh, by the way, he upgraded the Phantom's hyperdrive. So that really worked out. Um, and they go back and they save the day. They're trying to get this drop through, which... Um, also, there's a great little scene with Kanan and Ezra where Kanan is like, we'll go get the supplies ourselves. They're trying to get supplies to this planet that's um, being that's under siege right now. And Ezra is like, um, you said Hera couldn't do it. So how can we do it? And he's like, they really can't wait anymore. We have to do it. And then he's like, it'll be easy. They won't be looking for us. We're just going to slip on by. And Ezra's like, do you really believe that? And Kanan's like, it sounds better when I say it out loud. Right. <laughs> like, what he actually says is, it makes me feel better to say it. And it's such a great moment. Like, oh, man. Um, but yeah, in the end, everyone's happy except for Callus who is furious as per usual. And Hera gets promoted to Phoenix leader because the first one died at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> they kind of gloss over that a little bit, but yeah, he died. You're leader now, Hera. Mm -hmm. And the last episode we watched this week is Blood Sisters, which is Sabine's big back or semi big backstory episode. Of course, we get a ton more backstory with her in season four. Season three, one of whichever season they go to Mandalore and do the whole stuff. But basically, we learned that Sabine used to be. I mean, we already knew she was once in the in the academy, um, and she spent a decent amount of time at the academy. And then she and apparently this bounty hunter broke out, and their big plan was to be bounty hunters together. But it didn't last very long because um, the bounty hunter I wrote her name down somewhere in here, Ketsu. Left Sabine to die on some mission. And so 
um then sabine got picked up by Hera and kanan at some point and now she's one of them but um sabine is basically sent on this mission and ezra's son is back up and ezra starts we're kind of circling back to this semi-crush that ezra has on sabine where he's like you know i've noticed things like you always sit alone and you never want to eat with people or he's like sometimes you eat alone and you you want to be alone and there's a lot about you being alone and ezra's just rambling on and she legit walks away from him and he does <laughs> not he does not realize it um but they have to go find a um something with intel a carrier that's what it's called they have to find a carrier turns out it's gonky but it's not gonky it's just a eg86 droid um but basically gonky i saw it and i was like this isn't supposed to be gonky right that's not what's happening um and then there's a whole episode where Sabine and this bounty hunter have to kind of get past their differences. But the important stuff is kind of what you learn about Sabine, where she was like, yeah, all I cared about was myself. Like, first, all I cared about was like, she doesn't say this, but she says it later where she was like, I just didn't want to be with my family anymore. And then so she goes to the Imperial Academy. And then she was like, oh, and then I didn't want to be there. And then she went out with the friend and the friend was like, every man for himself or every girl for herself. And now she's like, yeah, I fight for things bigger than me because I realized that fighting for myself didn't lead to anything good. And even though her backstory is still very, like, hazy, that's kind of the big takeaway of it from this episode. And then, of course, at the end, R2-D2 is waiting for them. Um, and Ketsu ends up being a decent person and taking Sabine and Chopper home, even though... Chopper, there's a great scene in this episode where Chopper legit saves the day, um, just floating in space, doing his thing. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so those are the eight episodes this week. I think the biggest takeaways, though, have to be that, of course, Ahsoka and Vader connect for the first time. That's going to be huge by the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Um Kanan is kind of dealing with all of his Order 66 trauma. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Um, and then not a ton of Ezra development outside of him really like re-solidifying his, his place in the crew. Um, and then the girls got character development. And we're coming up on Zeb. Don't worry. We'll get a lot more Zeb when we get to the <laughs> to getting Callus back on track over here. But yeah, what are your biggest takeaways from the eight episodes, Marianne? Um, my biggest were actually the first like few episodes because um, they're pretty solid episodes. Vader, you know, Vader showing it, the Ahsoka making that connection with Vader and her suspicions that it's Anakin Skywalker, and then of course we're bringing back the clones. Um, and there was you know there was a lot with the clones and how they're like, you know, the Empire doesn't need this anymore. And then of course like the Empire shows up and they're like, oh is that all you got is this those stormtroopers? And of course like we also now know that Gregor helped train like the first batch of stormtroopers. So we know why the stormtroopers are shit because Gregor purposely trained them to be shit. <laughs> so I think that's like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> like I remember in it was season one of Bad Batch, where they, who was it? It was like Tech or Hunter or Echo. One of those three was like, I thought you said you trained these guys. He's like, well, yeah, but I'm only trained them. If, I didn't tell them 
teach them everything. That would be stupid. <laughs> also, I feel like in Andor, especially, you kind of see that the Empire is a little more like, um, well, and also the Bad Batch. It's one of those big themes in the Bad Batch, the background themes. Like the Empire is all quantity over quality when it comes to presence. So they're like, oh, we just need warm bodies and they're cheaper than clones and they take less time to train because we're training them like shit. And then it just ends up being a whole thing. Um, but it is like, I love that this has come out of canon in the last like 20 years, mostly because people make fun of how the stormtroopers can't hit anything mm -hmm. um, in the movies. And of course they don't hit anything in the movies because it's, it's a movie. Like you can't actually hit the people that... <laughs> that have plot armor you know so like they never hit anything in the movies but now it's become canon where it's like well yes they suck because the empire um is kind of neglectful about them and the clones were apparently amazing and like you said gregor and other clones also like only train them enough to be adequate not to actually win anything <laughs> so but that's so true um yeah they it's a solid start to the season um and we're not even halfway through so the next yes. next week well the next time we record i think we're gonna have to take another week or so off because um marianne's going on a cruise Yay. Yay. oh you sound so excited <laughs> yeah I'm so excited. i mean i need this break i'm getting i think i'm starting to get a little burned out at work so I mean, I need this break. Vacations never hurt anybody. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Um, yeah. So, um, but we did record a bonus episode. So I think that will air next week. Our episode on Jedi Survivor, Fallen Order, and Battle Scars. Um, I didn't actually rant too much about the book, but I had a lot to say <laughs> nonetheless. <Yes>. But <laughs> yeah, it is. I think it's the length of a normal episode. Um, so. Yeah, if you've played the games and you want to hear our thoughts on the games and a pretty lengthy summary of the games, uh, then tune in for that. Um, yeah, and then at some point, we're going to finish this book. That's coming up. We're going to dedicate an episode to the book to finish it. Um, and then we're going to get started on A New Dawn, which is Kanan and Hera's meeting slash courtship don't have all the details because we haven't read it we'll figure it out but yeah anyway um in the meantime i'm annie i'm marianne and you can join us to figure out whether or not we're forcing it bye, bye. oh my notes are covering the recording button there we go